has formal training and over seven years of experience working with children of all ages and developmental needs. She received her bachelor's and master's degree in communication disorders with a minor in autism. Rude. I'm just kidding. <laughs> autism from Southeast Missouri State University. She and her husband own and operate Southeast Little Learners Preschool in Jackson, as well as see a number of children privately for speech and language therapy. In the world of motherhood, she has been a foster parent to 16 children, ages birth to 15 years, and has three biological children, ages 3, 17 months, and she's pregnant with her third. Can we introduce her, give her welcome? morning so I am a talker it's what I do for my job so at any point in time someone please cut me off and I also love it when people ask questions because then I know how to tailor what I'm talking about to you guys so please ask questions if you want am I talking into I'm, I'm, so, I'm just so tall I know I'm one of those I am okay can you guys hear me Perfect. So today, Taylor asked me, actually a long time ago, months, six months ago? Yeah, back in August, was it August? Okay, so around August to talk, I didn't know I was pregnant yet. And so it's just really cool when you guys, when I tell the whole story, how this timeline has worked and how everything has kind of fallen into place. So Taylor asked me back in the fall to talk to you guys today about kids with differences or special needs because that's what I work with every day. So my husband and I are both speech therapists. No, we did not meet in school, <laughs> but we both are. And so what was kind of happening was when we got married seven years ago, I worked at SEMO Autism Center. And I was a part of the diagnostic team and the treatment team for the university. And every single day, I kept meeting moms who were unable to work because of their child's disability. They didn't have anybody who would watch their child. They couldn't get their child into daycare. They were uncomfortable with people watching their child. And so they were either losing their job from having to take time off work because of their child, or they just never even tried to work because they weren't comfortable with it. So. Kind of what happened was I worked there for a few years and then we started having our own kids. Um, and so I left the autism center to go to the public schools so I had a more mom-friendly schedule. And I worked in the early childhood center there. But I still saw a lot of the same situation happening, honestly, especially with the kiddos who had more severe medical needs. And so then from there, my husband also was a speech therapist in a different school district. So what kind of happened was one day we were driving in the car and we were like, what if we just open our own daycare? <laughs> and then it happened. <laughs> and I have no idea how it happened, <laughs> but it did. And so we opened our own daycare in Jackson in the middle of the pandemic in 2020. We opened in July of 2020. I was pregnant with our second when that happened. So he was born in October um, of 2020. And so we made the daycare 
as inclusive as we could. Like that was our goal. So how we set it up was that Jake and I are providing speech therapy to kiddos while they're there at daycare so parents can go to work. And then we also have OT and PT on staff um, for that same concept. Because what was happening also <clears throat> was we had a lot of parents who have kids with a bunch of different disabilities and needs, and they're working an eight to five job. A lot of the outpatient centers in our area, they're closed at five or six, right? So they didn't have time to get their child into all the services that their child needed. So we did our best to create like a one-stop shop where the kiddos could go to daycare and also get the therapy that they needed while they were there. So that is kind of our story of where we currently are um, with our daycare in Jackson. And then what happened was I started really diving into the homeschool world because of some of the things I was seeing in the public schools and just some desires that God had placed on my heart about homeschooling. And Jake has always wanted to homeschool too, and I was the one who was very against it. But then things started changing, and I started getting very intrigued by it. And what I found as I dove into the Facebook world of homeschool moms was there's this whole community of moms who homeschool their children with special needs. And they also cannot get access to therapy for a lot of the reasons that we kind of already discussed because um, of working. A lot of them are still working parents, and so they struggle to do all the homeschooling, take their child to therapy, and just get all their needs met. And then there's also, there's also a stigma in the medical world often. Um, around parents who decide to homeschool, especially if their child has special needs. Um, and so what I have found in this Facebook world were thousands of moms who felt completely isolated because they were choosing to homeschool their child with special needs. And the medical world was like, well, why would you do that? Like, we already have this solution for you. And they were just like, we don't feel like that's best for our child. And so in the fall of this year, I'm, I put too much on my plate, a lot. <laughs> so, so in the fall of this year, I actually started another company, um, and I didn't like launch it yet because I felt like God was telling me just just wait, like it's coming, but just wait, just get ready. And so I I started a business that I haven't launched yet that is going to focus on helping moms with kids with special needs who are homeschooling or who want to do more of a therapeutic approach at home with their kiddos instead of just relying on medical professionals. Because I think we can all agree that our medical world is broken and these kids aren't getting all the things that they need. Um, and so I started that process this fall and then I got pregnant <laughs> with our third. And uh, very, very excited, very much a blessing. And so through this whole process, we've kind of just been waiting on the, the timing for that second business. And so that's kind of like phase one of our journey of being involved in the special needs world is as therapist. Um, but then in January of this year, on January 26th or 22nd, I went in for my 19-week appointment, or my 26-week appointment. 
and I was told that my son has a 25% chance of survival because he has CMV and fetal hydrops. So what that means now <laughs> is I'm going to have a son with special needs. And so now I have been exposed to the whole other side of the world that I've already been in for seven years as a therapist. And, you know, I look back and I laugh because what else do you do? <laughs> but you look back and you laugh at God set this desire for a business in my heart about a special needs daycare, a private practice, and then this other business to help homeschooling moms with kids with special needs. And here I am <laughs> now 33 weeks pregnant with a baby that doctors have told me, we don't know how he's still alive. And I'm like, well, I do. <laughs> I know how he's still alive. Um, but, you know, they're telling, they're telling us what the medical world does. And I love the medical world. I went into a medical program. So I'm not bashing the medical world at all. But Western medicine tries to predict the worst to prepare parents. And so what they, what they tell us and what they're telling a lot of other parents is your kid will never talk. Your kid will never walk. They won't be able to eat. And they will have no quality of life. Um, and I just literally met with a mom yesterday who they told her the same thing about her son who has a chromosome deletion. He's walking. He's running. He's eating everything in sight. And a very smart little boy. And so doctors only know so much. Doctors only know so much. And it's been really cool to bridge the gap of motherhood and therapist in this whole world um, now that I'm in. And so after that, I was like, Taylor, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> like, how do, I, how do I encourage you all today as moms? Because I don't know any of your stories on if you have kids with differences or special needs or if you have family members with differences or special needs. Um, but even before this pregnancy, that was my passion and my heart, was to empower moms on how, on how to find hope in situations like this because I have not met a kid yet in seven years that was not fiercely loved by their parents and that they were not so fun to work with because they're still, they're still a reflection of God, even with that difference or that disability. Um, and y'all, I will admit I was the first person to say, God, I work with kids with disabilities every day. Please give me all healthy children. And here I am, you know? And so, and he might, he might end up healthy. We don't know. He might not. But what a blessing to be in the position that we're in already and with all the connections that we already have, not only to help him, Corbin, that's his name, um, but also other moms, because now I can look at the mom who's crying in the session with me because their child isn't talking. And I'm like, I know. 
Like I know on a level that most other therapists don't know what you're going through. And so it's just opened up a whole new world. And so I was, as I was thinking today of like what to share with you guys and what to talk about, I, I wanted to talk about how to best encourage you guys if you don't already have somebody in your family with special needs, how you can love on other moms who do. Um, because it's like most life circumstances, unless you've walked through it, you don't know. And so, you, but you want to help, but you just don't know how. And so then you often feel paralyzed of, well, how do I truly help without being annoying or a burden or, you know, all of those things that are associated with helping and so some of the things that our church, our friends, have done that have been super helpful is, first of all, prayer. So we found out, well, now it's been six weeks ago, and I still get text messages almost daily from people who are like, hey, just prayed for Corbin. Just wanted to let you know, you don't even have to text me back. Um, and guys, that's so helpful to just know that people are thinking about you at all times. Um, so prayer has been fantastic. And, and with the expectation of you don't have to text me back. Because sometimes you can. Sometimes I'm dealing with my own children or my job and I, and I just can't. And the, the expectation isn't there for me to praise them for texting me and reaching out. They just truly want to know need to know that they're praying. Um, so that's been super helpful. Food has been super helpful. And the way that people have done it has also been great. It's not, hey, do you want food? It's, hey, on Thursday at 5 o'clock, there will be food at your house. Because I'm the type, I'm very prideful. And I'm the type of person who is like, no, it's fine. It's fine. And then I'll order, like, pizza that night instead because you know no one wants to admit that it would actually be helpful or that they need help or that it would make life easier for an evening and so guys I've had people from other churches that I don't even go to bring me meals and what they do is they they say like hey I'm making a double batch of dinner on Friday so I'm bringing it to you and that's just been so kind it's been so kind and I know it's hard, and we're all exhausted of cooking, and we're all over it. So that's been helpful, though. <laughs> um, we've had other people literally just send us gift cards for gas, um, because we have to drive to St. Louis every week for um, appointments. And then we'll have a long NICU stay afterwards. They're telling us several months. Um, and I've heard this rumor about gas prices going up. And so it's just been a real treat <laughs> on the bacon count <laughs> to, to have to do that. And so other people are just blessing, blessing us by doing that. Um, for people who their life is also incredibly busy or maybe they don't love cooking, they've been sending us gift cards to restaurants, DoorDash, all of the things. Because you guys know, you just come home some days and you're like, the last thing I ever want to do is cook. And so sometimes it's just super easy to have something there whenever the kids are hungry and you don't have to think about it. You don't have to clean up. 
So food has also been a huge, huge blessing. Um, it's a very tangible way for you guys to love on all these families because they're often running around like crazy with therapy and most of them have multiple kids. Um, and so it's just one less thing that they have to think about. Um, and then of course there's special diets. Then that's a whole nother topic of conversation. But for the majority, um, just cooking an extra batch is super easy and easy for the family too. Something else that they've done that's been super nice um, is inviting their kids over for a play date um, and then picking up the kid for the parents. And one of the reasons why is, so as a parent with a kid in special, with special needs or differences, you're kind of in crisis mode a lot and you really want if you have other kids, you really want life to stay as normal as possible for them. And our kids are so little that they don't know what's going on. And so we're trying to make life just super fun in this season so they don't remember all those sad stuff. And so having people who have been super intentional about, hey, I'm coming over on Friday to pick up Adley and Kanan at 3 p.m. and I'm gonna keep them until 5 p.m. They're gonna be fed when they come home don't worry about it, has been so kind for us as well because it makes life fun for them. Um, it gives Jake, my husband and I, time to just breathe or it gives us time to go on a date because we all know having date nights as a parent in general is hard and then when you throw on having a kid with special needs, it's really impossible because a lot of these parents don't trust a lot of people with their kiddos or they've been abandoned by their friends but that they had before their child was diagnosed. Because we know that sometimes these kiddos can present with some pretty significant challenges, right? And it's not necessarily a walk in the park to maybe have Johnny come over to your house for two hours. He might break something. He might get in a fight with your kids. Your kids might not understand why Johnny isn't sharing. And so it's hard, but it's a really tangible way for these families um, because a lot of them feel like burdens. And I know that because they've told me. Um, they've told me that, well, we don't, we don't go to our mother-in-law's house because my son broke her Christmas ornaments last year. And so now we don't feel welcome to go back. Um, and so little stuff like that that we don't think about, they're thinking about. And so how can we as other moms make them feel welcome in a space that they haven't felt welcome for a long time? And how can we be intentional about reaching out to these moms who have lost friendships, um, who feel like they can't make new ones? who have been deserted by family because of their kiddos with special needs. And then there's, I mean, let's be honest, there's this whole other side too of guilt for families who don't have a child with special needs. Because you're not exactly praying for your kid to be born with cerebral palsy or autism. And so then how do you, how do you reconcile that in your heart, right? And it's, acknowledging that it even that that feeling is there of 
I don't want this for my children, and that's okay. But because of that, I shouldn't hide from families that do have that in their life because they recognize that, you know? And they're already playing all of these things in their head of, well, this is why Johnny wasn't invited to their birthday party because Johnny's gonna be the kid who's screaming in the corner about the birthday cake and why he's not the one opening the presents. And so those are just some really tangible things to be thinking about that I've heard a lot of moms talk about over the years. Um, yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. Um, it's really awkward sometimes. Um, but they haven't experienced grace a lot of times from other parents. Um, they experience a lot of shame and a lot of guilt from other parents. Um, and their kids are being picked on by other kids. And so they're trying to protect their kids. Um, and so something that we talked about long before we were pregnant with Corbin, and part of the reason for the daycare was how can we be intentional about raising kids and exposing other kids at the daycare to children who have disabilities so that there isn't the stigma around it, so that they learn at a young age Sometimes kids have problems talking. Sometimes kids have problems sharing, but we still love them. My three-year-old, who's like 30, actually, in her head, um, bless. Whenever I tell her I'm going to work, she'll go, oh, you're gonna go help Susie talk? And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go help Susie talk today. And she'll be like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. They don't, they don't know how to talk and use their words, do they? but I'll teach them. She's three. And because she's been exposed to it, that's normal. So we're normalizing differences in all these young kiddos so that as they grow up and they're going to school, they're not the ones bullying the other kids with differences. They're the ones standing up for them, for those who need help in the school. They're the ones who are helping teach them in school and being their friend on the playground when Johnny is physically slow and can't keep up. They're the one who is purposely slowing down on the playground to play with them. They're the ones that were teaching them sign language so that if Johnny is deaf, he has somebody on the playground who understands him and can play with him. You know, and that's it takes a lot of effort from a parent standpoint, right? Because those are things you have to think about that currently you don't have to if your child doesn't have a disability. But just from the, the past few years of working with all these parents, it would mean the world to them. And I'll tell you the thing that they say all the time is they made their first friend today at school. Because they, they're so excited about that because their kids don't have that. So what if we, as the parents of typically developing kids, could teach them and raise them up how to be Johnny's first friend? And how can we, as the mom, who have the capacity that maybe these other moms don't, how can we give them a break? How can we show them grace? How can we show them you're not a burden just because your life looks different? 
And so that's kind of the gist of what I have for today, just because that truly is what I see every day um, in the world of therapy in our area, is this isolation that exists um, because Satan wants it that way, right? He wants us to all be separated. He wants to come kill, steal, and destroy relationships. And he's using kids with differences as a method for that. So how can we be intentional about combating that attack on these families and these kids? And it's to be aware that it even exists. And then it's thinking of, do I know a family with a child with special needs? And if I don't, how can I find a family and be genuine about that relationship with them so that they don't feel like a charity case, but an actual relationship? Because guys, they're moms too. They're moms too, it just looks a little different. And they know that it looks different, um, but they really, they really still crave that. And so just, just thinking about, as moms, how can we be intentional with our kids and then with our own time with other moms. Questions. That's a lot. I like to throw a lot at people. Did I? Good on time. Okay. Okay. Well, if you have questions, find me. I'll be around. Thank you. Thank you.